Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. Coming up. Important because Jesus was the one who took upon himself the injustice. Jesus was the one who took it upon himself. See, this is where the new covenant begins. That everything that would make you feel guilty and dirty and wrong, the skeletons in your closet, the stuff you can't overcome, that you know is wrong, that you know is not right, that you wish you could overcome. See, your soul cries out and says, who's going to pay for this injustice? And, and so many of us do all sorts of crazy things in order to try and make ourselves pay back the, the injustice. Oh, I'm just going to get better. You know, I'm just going to beat myself into to su submission. I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to do more of this. And some of us even go into destructive things that we actually end up kind of in this spiral of self-destruction because we're making ourselves pay for the injustice of our own sins. <laughs> some of you need to realize that, 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 that it's all being paid for. Because there was another whose blood was spilt for injustice, for your injustice. His name was Jesus. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. You turn to Hebrews chapter 12. What I'm going to be talking about and what I have been talking about is the church and what the church is all about, who the church is. Um, it's all good and well, and I'm going to get back to my normal kind of way of preaching pretty much after this, after this series, which um, is a little bit more, uh, you know, there'll be practical elements and there's charts and all of those sorts of things that I'll, I'll be doing. But at the moment, I've just, I felt like we need to get some foundational teaching down about who the church is, because there is a lot of voices out there about, you know, the church um, and uh, you know, people giving teaching about what the church is, who the church is, and all of that sort of stuff. And some of that runs contrary to the Bible. And so I think it's just important for you to know, you come here, if you've come here, if you, hands up, if you, I mean, it's okay, you don't have to put your hand up, I know who you are. But if you come here every Sunday, it would be good for you to know exactly what you're doing here, rather than just a ritual that you're kind of following through on just to be a good Christian person, right? Christian, not a Christian, Christian. We say it funny. No, we don't really. But, you know, th this, this whole series has been about what the church is and who it is. And uh, I just want to spend some time this morning talking about two mountains. Everybody say two mountains. Mount, Mount, uh, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Okay. My, yeah, thanks for saying that, Shaker. It's good, man. Shaker is showing initiative in his repetition. It's good. You can all uh, take a, uh, you know, a leaf from his book. is. It's very good. I like I like uh, congregations that talk back. I I, I get scared in, in congregations. Yes, I do get scared in congregations that just kind of stare at you. You never really know what people are thinking, and uh, that's a scary thing. Um, I wish I did knew what know what speak people were thinking. But I, I'm going to talk to you about two mountains. These two mountains that 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 are kind of brought up in this in this book of Hebrews. Let me read it to you, and then I'm going to explain what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm. 
to a trumpet blast or to such a, a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Some of you right now are wondering, what is he reading? <laughs> yes. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. I love how they narrate that. I'm sure he said more than that. I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion. Everybody said, say, say Mount Zion. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Anybody's name written in heaven? You know it. Some of you don't. You're a little unsure. You're like, I don't know. Well, I can help you with that at the end of this service. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, that's the church, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What is this all about? Don't worry, I'm going to explain it. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, back in the time of Mount Sinai the, the, at that time the, his voice shook the earth but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken that is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Wow. You know, Marianne recommended that we do that song, oh, We Will Not Be Shaken. We haven't done it for a long time. And uh, you didn't know this, but I was planning on that scripture. And I thought, wow, she's, she's on fire with, uh, with, she's on track with what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning. We have a, we have, what we are establishing here is something that will not be shaken. I'm going to explain what that means, but let me just work through this scripture. The first, first bit of it, verse 19 through to about um, verse 21, is talking about Mount, Mount Sinai. Now, for those who may not know, Mount Sinai was the place where the Ten Commandments were given. So the Israelites, they came up out of Egypt, right? Um, God had set them free. If you've seen that cartoon uh, where, where, you know, I don't know, what was it called? King of Egypt, I think. It was an old Disney cartoon. <laughs> Prince of Egypt, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, so uh, Prince of Egypt. You remember that cartoon? Who, who watched that? Okay, so, you, you know, Moses comes out with the Israelites out of Egypt and then all of a sudden they're in the desert and God has to speak to them about who they are because here they are out in the desert and they're this new nation not knowing what to do. So God sets down, first thing, he sets down some order and law. He brings a law and order to them. And, uh, and to do that, he, he appears on top of this mountain and he only speaks to Moses. And uh, to show his, uh, his seriousness and who he is as God, it's, it's a scary sight, okay? It was, it was a scary sight when God turned up because they, they literally did. They begged that God would stop speaking and they said, we don't want to hear from God. Could you imagine 
Could you imagine like God starts speaking, you're like, oh my gosh, that is the worst and most scary thing I've ever heard in my life. And they say, Moses, we want you to only hear from God on our behalf because like we can't bear it when God speaks. So poor old Moses has to be the one who's the spokesperson for the people, right? That's what happens. And uh, this Mount Sinai, See, this Mount Sinai represents what's called the Old Covenant. Everybody say Old Covenant. Now, I'm just going to explain this really quickly. I've got a bit of a runny nose, so I'm just going to do that. Um, The Old Covenant was basically an old agreement that God had with His people. Okay? It was an old agreement, and I'm not going to go in too much into it, but I need to touch on it just so that we all know what the Old Covenant is. When you've got the Old Testament, that's the Old Covenant. When you've got the New Covenant, that's the New Testament. Okay, The Old Covenant okay, basically was the only relationship with God was had through these covenant obligations. So a covenant is basically an agreement. Who has heard of a thing called a house loan right you've heard of a house loan with a house loan you have a covenant agreement with the bank you don't go to the bank right and say listen I'm gonna buy a house I want you to give me the money and I'm gonna pay you back on your terms wouldn't it be nice I mean sorry on my terms excuse me I got confused then wouldn't it be nice if we could go to the bank and say look give me 10 crores I'm gonna buy a house in Bandra and I'm going to pay you back on my terms, 100 rupees a week. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? We'd all have houses in Bandra, right? And uh, it'd be fabulous. But, uh, but it's not the way it is. The bank determines the covenant agreement and we sign the dotted line according to their stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, it's the same with God. God had set a covenant agreement. He came and said, I'm going to meet with you. And this is, this is the way I'm going to meet with you. Is, is you need to follow these Ten Commandments plus these other laws and you need to set up a place uh, that reflects uh, the, the, the heaven on earth. You need to set up a temple. You need to set up a place where the Ark of the Covenant can be. The Ark of the Covenant was a place where the presence of God was. And for that, they needed a place. Okay, they needed, they needed some land to do it. So God took them out into the, the desert and eventually gave them land, right? Okay, it's the Old Covenant. That's that's an important note that I want you to just keep in your mind because I'm going to touch on this a little bit later about the whole thing of taking land and having to set up territory for for religion. Okay, it's another point, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. But, But this covenant agreement was the only way that, that people could relate to God. They didn't have a service like this that we do now, where we can sing directly to God and ask Him and say to Him, I love your presence. They would have thought you were crazy thinking, singing something like that. I love your presence. We had the presence of God at Mount Sinai and it just about killed us. That's what they would say. Okay? Because it was pre, pre the, the, the cross. Okay, and what they were feeling was, was, was God's presence and the wrath of God at the same time. of sin. Anyway, I'm not going to keep on with that, but basically what the Old Covenant represents is a set way and a set form of doing things, a religion, that really, when you begin to look at it, there's no relationship, but you're bound to a set of rules and laws 
and things that you have to do in order to please God. And part of that was a lamb would have to be, would have to be shed. Its blood would have to be poured out on behalf and that lamb would have to die on behalf of the nation once a year. And the priest would have to do that in order for the sins of the people to be covered. Right? That's the old covenant. The old covenant. Mount Sinai represents the old covenant. The present city of Jerusalem that we now know still represents the old covenant. They still practice the old covenant covenant okay they keep the law and see the fact is about this law this is why Jesus had to come because it's a better covenant this law in 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 inflicts fear it inflicts fear because have you ever have you ever done something where you you your own self have standards you have things that you have to keep to. Like, you, you, maybe today you're on your way to church and you're like, I must be there at 11.30, but you broke your own covenant with yourself to be on time. Has that ever happened to you? You're like, I will be on time, and you break it. Oh, <laughs> we <clears throat> well, when it's with God, his, his laws are a little bit more strict, okay? They're a little bit more stronger. And it's like, we, we will come across moments where it's like God has said in the Bible, do not like lie. Don't lie. And it's like, you come into moments where, you know, uh, it's like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm late for church. I, I could tell them that I slept in or I could just give a little white lie. I know none of you would do this, but, you know, and, and say, you know, I, I, I tripped over the cat and I had to take it to the vet and, you know. It's like, I could come up with a little, you know, these little lies, okay? Little lies. Just for an example's sake. And, and, and when we've broken God's covenant, we've broken it. It's so easy. And see, the thing is, is, is this, this, as I'm saying it, I know it's like you start to think, flip. Man, I have messed up big time then. If it's just one thing that messes up the entire covenant, then I've messed up several times. In fact, I mess up all the time. I'm, I'm in that boat as well, right? Is anybody else in that boat? We all have messed up. We all have. I have. And this induces a fear. Because when you begin to look at keeping the law, the reason, the reason why uh, God was so strict with that mountain that no, even no animal could touch the mountain... Is, is the fact that keeping the law with God is actually a matter of life and death. It's actually a matter of life and death. If you can't keep the law that God has set, if you can't keep the covenant that God has set, it will mean that this body one day will run out of breath and we will not meet with God. That, that, is, that, is, that is the law. Now that incites fear. And that makes you feel more like a slave than anything else because it's like, well, no matter how much I try, I'm never going to get my freedom. But the question is, is why is it that we want freedom? What is it that has been sown into our heart that, that calls out for the freedom to grow, the freedom to know God, the freedom to know who He is? What is it in our hearts? And, and I would say that is, that is the original plan that God has for us. That is, the original, that is the original way that God created us to be. It's just that sin came into the world and began the beginning with Adam and Eve and, and it messed up everything for generations after that. 
but the desire to know God, the desire to fulfill his law and, and to keep up with, with what he wants of us and, and to have that relationship with, but that is there. You know, Sinai, when God came, he, his presence was there and then it moved on. It was just in a, uh, it was just an experience. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, is, is we've not come to that mountain. When you come to this place, this church, you haven't come to Mount Sinai. And that's important because sometimes we approach this kind of a, a, a place like a church. And when someone says church, we think of the Mount Sinai things, keeping the law, making sure you're a good person, making sure you do all the right things, make sure you come to church and, and, and put something in the, in the, in the bucket and, and, and make sure you lift your hands and make sure you do that. And make sure you, you haven't come to Mount Sinai when you've come to this place. You haven't. You haven't come to a place that should incite fear in you. But so often, and, and I think it's the mistake that religion has made, not just this religion, any religion, there will be, you need to keep up all of, all of these things, and if you don't, you're a bad person, and you're not going to have freedom. Because in the end, we're all looking for freedom, right? But the fact is, is, we mess up and we don't make it and we do make mistakes and we do get upset and we do do things that are just stupid sometimes and we miss out. We feel that we miss out on the presence of God because we haven't kept the covenant. But the New Testament, the Hebrew says, you haven't come to Mount Sinai. So in other words, if you're coming here in fear, you're mistaken. If you're coming here thinking that you aren't good enough with God, you're mistaken. If you're thinking you're coming here and you need to do a whole lot of stuff to make God happy, you've missed it. He says, but you, look at the person next to you and say, but you, and the person next to you again on the other side, but you, have come to Mount Zion. You've come to Mount Zion. It's good. And some of you are wondering, why did we just clap? Mount Zion. Mount Sinai. Mount Zion. I don't know what's going on. Well, let's read it. The city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands and th upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Who was Abel? Cain and Abel. Remember that story? Cain and Abel. The story where Cain killed Abel because Cain was jealous of Abel's sacrifice because 
Abel had made a sacrifice to the Lord, which was the, the, the sacrifice that, that God had actually required. And, and Cain had made his own covenant before God and came with his own terms to God and said, you know what, God, I'm just going to come to you for the experience over here, but I'm just going to do my own thing. Please, you stay there and I stay here. I'll, I'll do all of, some of the things, but I'm not going to do everything. See, that was, that was Cain. And, and, and when, when Cain found out that his sacrifice wasn't actually acceptable to God and, and that his brother Abel, who was, who, was a, who was a son, the two sons of Adam and Eve, he, Abel's sacrifice was actually accepted before God because it was exactly what God had required of him. And it was in obedience that he went ahead and, and gave that sacrifice. He murdered Abel. And here's Abel who's gotten killed for doing the right thing. And the Bible says that his blood to this day still cries out. What does it cry out for? It cries out for justice for the wrongdoing. That's what it cries out for. Why is that connected to us? Well, see, the blood cries out for justice. See, we don't have to know, we don't have to worry about the sins that we have done. See, when, when we sin, we, when we sin, we, we, we sin against God. And there has to be, there has to be a death that is a result of that injustice. God sees our sin as injustice. But what this Bible is saying is, no longer... Because of the new covenant, does the blood of Abel cry out? Or it speaks a better, a better word than the blood of Abel, which is crying out for justice. Why is that important? Well, that is important because Jesus was the one who took upon himself the injustice. Jesus was the one who took it upon himself. See, this is where the new covenant begins. That everything that would make you feel guilty and dirty and wrong, the skeletons in your closet, the stuff you can't overcome, that you know is wrong, that you know is not right, that you wish you could overcome, See, your soul cries out and says, who's going to pay for this injustice? And, and so many of us do all sorts of crazy things in order to try and make ourselves pay back the, the injustice. Oh, I'm just going to get better. You know, I'm just going to beat myself into to sub submission. I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to do more of this. And some of us even go into destructive things that we actually end up kind of in this spiral of self-destruction because we're making ourselves pay for the injustice of our own sins. Some of you need to realize that, 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 that it's all being paid for. Because there was another whose blood was spilt for injustice, for your injustice. His name was Jesus. His name was Jesus. And his blood doesn't cry out for injustice. Of a, why did, 
Cain, kill me. It doesn't cry out. It's like, God, why did I get killed for doing the right thing? It is, God, I followed you. I obeyed you. And now look at my brothers and sisters who have freedom because of me. It's different. It's a different covenant. See, the moment Jesus did that, there was a new covenant that was set in place. So this is the first thing about Mount Zion. This is the thing. That's why it says, you've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Why are there thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly? Because they could see what had happened when there were all of the injustices that you and I and the rest of the world had put on Christ and he rose again. They saw it. And they all knew that that marked freedom for you and I. Freedom from fear, freedom from pain, freedom from hurt, freedom from death. They suddenly realized that, you know what, hold on a second, God is doing something here. Can you see what Jesus just did? He just rose again. Do you know what that means? That means there are people that are coming to this city that he has been preparing since the beginning of time, and that city is called heaven. And that's what New Jerusalem is. That, what, that's what Mount Zion is. It's actually heaven. You have not come to the judge of all. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You've got to understand something. Some of you are trying too hard to make yourselves perfect. You need to stop and understand that you are made perfect. You are made perfect. Am I saying that you need to start sinning? No, that is not what I am saying. I'm not saying that you can go and start doing all sorts of things and just, like, just let it fly to the wind. No, that is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this is as you believe in Christ, as you follow him, he makes you perfect. You'll find yourself overcoming stuff you've never dreamed of overcoming. You're made perfect because Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they do not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less time will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Now this is where it gets a little serious. And Paul is the, the writer to the Hebrews. He is, there was some trouble going in the Hebrew. There was some people that were actually speaking some kind of false teaching in the Hebrew church. And it's the reason why, why, why Paul goes into this. But basically, there were some people that were trying to teach that, no, you still need to go about with the old covenant priorities. You need to still do a whole lot of rituals. You still need to be circumcised. You still need to do this. You still need to do that in order for God to be pleased with you. But, but, but now God's doing, done a new thing. And, and Paul starts to, starts to say in verse 25, but do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape... When they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Now, this is about talking about the Israelites. The Israelites were actually disobedient out in the desert. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And um, they, did not, they did not escape the justice that had been set before them. They died out in the desert. Now... Here's the deal for you and I. God is speaking. 
And this is where it gets a little serious and where we need to decide as to what we are actually following. And the church needs to be very serious about its decision and its, its kind of commitment to the Lord because, because God has spoken. He has set a covenant in place and He set a way of doing life in place that we must follow. And if we ignore it, then we also, like the Israelites, will face what is justice. Now, ours is a little different to the Israelites. We will not be a desert in a desert place, most likely. But our lives, this little ticker, eventually comes to an end. This little ticker, right in here, eventually comes to an end. And, and that day it does, we will be standing before God and we will be giving an account for what we did with our lives and what we believed. And God will say, you believed, but you didn't follow. If we so, if we do that, if we, if, we, if, we, if we make that mistake. See, God has made it very clear. It's why it's very important to know the Bible. It's why it's very important to know the Word and, and why it's very important not to mess around with your faith. And, and <laughs> I, I, I tell you this with, with, um, with kind of, I'm, I'm, I don't want to come across harsh or, 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 or painful or anything like that, but I just, want to, I just want you to know that this is serious. What we do here is serious. What we, what we call people to when we do a baptism in a couple of weeks, um, that's a really serious thing that we're doing where people are saying, I am dying to my old way of life and my old will and all my old stuff, and I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to follow what God says through His Word and through the Spirit. That's what baptism is all about. It's not just, oh, you know, wow, this beautiful, it's so wonderful, it's such a nice ritual that the Christians do. No, 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 no. It represents a death and a resurrection, a death to old ways and an uprising in new ways. That's what it represents. And, and, and this is serious because, uh, you know, God spoke back then and He's speaking now. And, and, and at that time, in verse 26, His voice, well, it shook the earth. But now He has promised, once more, I will, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. That is going to be a crazy day. Okay? That's going to be a crazy day. I remember when I was a kid and I'd, I'd grown up in the church and my dad was a pastor and all of that sort of stuff and I watched this crazy show called Left Behind and it scared the absolute... Anyone watch that show? My gosh, it scared me to death. And I just... I, every time... See, they, they had this crazy doctrine. Oh, man, I'm out of time, but... I, I, okay. Basically, they had this thing that one day all the Christians are going to get taken from the earth. And I, ever since that day when I was a kid... I, I watched that show every time my house was empty and my parents had gone somewhere. I used to think, oh, they might have been left behind and my parents gone. I must have been that naughty thought I thought or whatever and I've been left behind. Oh, Jesus, please save me. Mom, Dad. And then, yes, son. Oh, nothing. <laughs> Stupid show. Anybody else been messed up by crazy Christian stuff in their childhood? Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why did I get onto that? Oh, yes, verse 26. And the voice shook the earth, but now... Um, he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate, the rem and you need to hear this, the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. I want to ask you something. In your life, if God was to shake you, shake everything in your life, you know, just completely shake you to the core. If he was to come along and do that, what would fall out of your life that doesn't need to be there? What is it that you're holding on to that God can shake? 
And we, we as the church, we need to be asking this question. We don't come asking this in fear. We don't come to Mount Sinai. This is not, this is not Mount Sinai. This is Mount Zion, where, where you begin to realize that actually the stuff that, that God can shake that you're holding on to is actually stuff that you need to let go to because, let go of because it's actually chains that is binding you to earth and binding you from actually knowing what your freedom is in Christ. I mean, money, Rachel talked about money today, and, and I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to be apologetic about talking about money, but we, we, one of the reasons we do tithes and offerings in this place is not because we need to raise funds. We could do all sorts of things to raise funds, but we give people a choice as to whether or not they're going to put money in that offering, and it is an indication, if you can put it in there as a free will offering, that you are free from the love of money. And if you can't, like, and, and the Bible talks about 10%, right? Giving 10% of your income. Well, I mean, that's a lot. And that's just a starting place in the Bible. You know that? Some of you are like, oh, uh, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I've experienced and what I know others have experienced as they have given is freedom from the love of money and freedom from, the, from that bondage. And that fear and that drivenness that it's always, you always got to be running after it. And you begin to realize, hold on a second, God is my provider. And the windows of heaven begin to open. Oh man, when you talk about tithes, I tell you, it's crazy. It's the only, it's the only time where God says, you can sue me. And Malachi says, you can sue me on me. Test me in this one thing. See that I do not open the windows of heaven over your life and provide for you as you provide for the kingdom. Now there's, there's freedom there. And, and I would encourage you just to try it. I would encourage you just to try it. And, but it's so much more than just money. That's just an example that I am using. Okay? It's just an example that I'm using. There's so much more that, 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 that if God was to shake your world, what would be left? And the fact is, He will. Once more, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. And what will remain will be that which cannot be shaken. Or what can't be shaken. What can't be shaken? Faith. Yeah. What can't be shaken? See, everything you do in obedience to God, as you're following Him, you begin to invest in your future home in heaven. New Jerusalem the new covenant, the new people, what is beginning here, what this body represents, who we are. We represent, see, the new work of God in a people group that even if God was to shake them to the core, they would still survive. Even though they might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil because they know God is with them. Because it's not based on their performance, but it's based on the finished work of Christ in their life. And the Holy Spirit that is put on them, marked as a seal that they have in their lives that, that speaks to them, that comforts them, that gives them hope, that gives them peace, that gives them love, that shows them the way that they can go through anything that life throws at them and remain strong. Depression, finished. Hopelessness, finished. 
I want you to stand up. I think he's going to do something right now. Praise God. He is here in this place. I'm telling you, depression is finished. I don't know why I've got this depression thing today. I've been thinking about it all day. If you struggle with depression, I want all eyes closed. You guys can come, uh, Rohana Marianne. I just want you to lift your hands to heaven because God is going to break something off you right now. God is going to break depression. I just bind it in Jesus' name. Just lift your hands to heaven. I said, spirit of depression, you go in Jesus' name. You leave these people alone. Oh, Jesus. I speak against it in Jesus' name. Ha! Oh, freedom. 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 You need to start to say, I am free. I am free. And you need to bind that thing. Don't believe it. It's a lie from the pits of hell that tells you you're nothing, that tells you you're dirt, that tells you you're worthless, that tells you all of the stuff and makes you think about your past and makes you think about all that stuff. I break all of that in Jesus' name off everyone in this place. In Jesus' name. And I just proclaim that the people of C3 Mumbai, the church, Christ's body, and the churches around are going to begin to rise up and know who they are in Christ. People of victory, people of hope, people of freedom, people with, with, with blessing and not a curse in Jesus' name. Some of you think you're cursed. Some of you think you're cursed. Some of you were cursed at birth. I want you to just raise your hands. If you were cursed, if there was a name given to you and, and it was like a curse, I want, I want to break that off your life right now uh, in Jesus' name. I break every curse, every astronomical chart, everything that has been spoken over people. I break it in Jesus' name. I come against it. I come against it in Jesus' name. We will not be shaken. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I speak life. There is going to be freedom. There is going to be freedom. Oh. We will not be shaken. Why don't we sing that song? Come on. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at c3mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi. 